Yo, what's happening to everybody, man? It's Jerome Thoy, man, checking in, chicken and chicken and Kool-Aid podcast, right? <clears throat> of course, we've seen a whole lot of things happen um, with different, I guess, I don't even want to call this shit events because we out here getting, like, murdered in the streets and, um, Shit on both sides. The police killing black people. Shit. Black people killing black people. Um, Constantly losing wealth. Our communities are constantly being taken over. And I guess we are constantly focusing in on, you know, I guess, quote unquote, public enemy number one, which is Donald Trump, I guess. But uh, and then, you know, we have to think about, you know, different things like black love and, man, economic factors is going to be affecting African-Americans within the next 10 to 15 or 20 years, education, um, relationships and marriages. It's, it's a mess out here. It's, it really is. So. I mean, the purpose of the whole Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast was to mix a common theme of real, real social views with also different things like entertainment and pop culture. But lately, I haven't been able to do that because, you know, I've been working a whole lot of hours. You know, I'm a homeowner, struggling homeowner, might I add, but still a homeowner. And um, I've been seeing a whole lot of different things on, you know, just in social media, the news, different outlets, TMZ, YouTube, Instagram, you name it. And for the most part, I wanted to do a freestyle podcast tonight. I really don't have a subject. I just really wanted to speak from, I guess, my heart and what I'm going to do is do just that. Um, really and truly, I'm a a nerd at heart. A dumb nerd because I really wasn't that smart. But I always like to have like numbers, you know, like I was a big, I wanted to be a sociologist major uh, when I first started college. And what that in tune for me to do is to study a lot of different things. Um, as far as research, and really, 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 and truly, I'm really good at that. But as I move forward, and I really found what I think is one of my callings is that's African American culture. Um, so I really wanted to start out with what is going on in the college basketball scene, and that is players are going to finally start getting their I would say they're just due as far as the marketing capability or capability and being able to just cash in and I guess go against the establishment against the NCAA. And I think that there is a direct correlation or correlation between African-American people who go to college 
and the African-American athlete and how important that is to our community as a whole because, I mean, man, like, when I was coming up, I'm talking about 1997, it's kind of like exposing my age, but I always seen superstars, Charlie Ward, Tommy Frazier, uh, Danny Warfel, you know, what's this dude, um, not Marshall Falk, but, uh, well, he was one of them, but he went to LSU, um, played for the Patriots for a little bit. Any real sports person from Louisiana will already know. Um, but man, these people, they were real, real superstars. I can remember back in, back in the day when Chris Webber and, and Jalen Rose, Jimmy Jackson, you know, Juwan Howard, um, who was the other dude on the starting five on the Michigan team? But anyway, man, these people, they captivated the nation. I mean, like the world, really. And Chris Webber can recall, like, the time that he said, man, you know, like, we done did all this stuff, man, and I can't even buy me a $20 dinner, a $20 lunch. And I know a lot of people are saying, like, what does this really have to do with black people? And I think that the thing that I'm talking about right now is the exploitation of the African-American athlete and how that has really affected our schools moving forward. Right now in the world, I think that, not I think, I, I know that there is no other nationality of people who has been outright and said, you know what, we created our own education system on a collegiate level. And um, Booker T. Washington could be the thanks for that, because he started um, the HBCU community or group of people as far as African Americans are concerned. And it was built upon, um, I think it was agricultural, education, trades, and maybe engineering, you know, um, but as the years passed, um, we have seen major success from that. But as the years passed, we have seen a decline in our education system. You know, like when you have things or schools that are no longer enforced. Specifically, I mean, man, South Carolina State, I'm talking about uh, Morris Brown, I mean, you know, is 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 really, really bad. But some of the things that would that could possibly change that is a successful African American athlete. I mean, can you imagine LeBron James at Wilbur Forest? I think there's a it's a historically black college or university in Ohio. Can you imagine if he just decided to enroll there and be a a student for two years. Maybe even one. Or when Maurice Correct was in his prime, it's millions of dollars as far as advertisement, as far as television contracts, 
um, and also bowl games and different things like that, or, you know, like the tournament games. Can you imagine that? I mean, it would change the whole trajectory of what a HBCU school is. And right now, really and truly, we have the NCAA that has not only been, I mean, ruling with an iron fist, we also have these other colleges who have procedures backgrounds, such as North Carolina, um, Fresno State, UNLV, Duke, Michigan, the list goes on and on. That's just to name a few that who have been for not only, I mean, we're talking about over 40 years, Maryland, the University of Maryland, um, that has cashed in on the African-American student and athletes' bodies back to make their program relevant and to make their schools relevant. I mean, they have cashed in on millions of dollars. And the people who are left high and dry were the athletes. Some because some choose or had chosen not to go to class. They only went there. They were chasing the dream um, to get to the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, et cetera, et cetera. So, and this money that the NCAA has been receiving has not trickled down to cause a positive economic effect to the African-American community or economic downturn to lift it up and to bring economic provenance back. So that's some of the things I want to put out there. Um, and I'll, I'll let you guys be the judge. You know, you could follow me at Thornton Media or, you know, Jerome Thornton on Facebook. It's all good. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is, and I think this is really, really relevant, is what is our economic position going to be in the next 40 years? I'm 42 right now. I'm going to be 82 in the next 40 years, if God says the same. Um, how are we going to make money? A lot of people are steering. A lot of, you know, um, as convicts, you know, who have nonviolent backgrounds to, you know, get a get a truck driver's license and, you know, feed your family that way, which is fine. A lot of people are talking about, you know, let's go into tech and let's go into code. Um, but at the same time, that's fine. I think the real money is in our own area that we live in. And the reason why is that our spending power is so enormous. It's so enormous that we could actually become our own nation here and really just break apart from the United States period, but we don't have the proper, how should I say, framework 
I would I would dare to say I watched a YouTube video today about this guy in Harlem. They call him a food icon. And he's been in business for 30 years. Um, selling $2 hot dogs and hamburgers. Amazing. And he has this thing called Half and Half. I think it's Mo Robinson Jr. in Harlem. It was amazing. And this guy put four kids through college. He has a he bought a barbershop. Um, he owns his own home. And it was really, really compelling to me that he was just able to do this in the hood. At the same time, we have African Americans talking about we we can't do business with our own people. And I think that's the biggest known untruth that we really need to explore. Um, And I think that when it comes down to it, when we see home ownership declining and we constantly see the mass incarcerations of African-Americans, and it's not because that we're not smart, that we're not intelligent. I think that it's just a lack of sense of urgency telling people, African-Americans, that yes, you can start your own business. It doesn't have to be the next Walmart. It doesn't have to be the next Instagram. It doesn't have to be the next Popeye's chicken. Just to do it and be consistent. And I think as one of the great um, people that I use as one of my mentors, Melvin Williams, you know, RIP to him out of Baltimore, he said, if you build it in the hood, they will come. But you can place your own judgment on that. Um, Right now, I think I want to venture off into something that's really been on my heart and on my soul is the family dynamic of African Americans and how we view the importance of family, whether it's right or wrong. I want to give a major shout out to what's this uh this lady, Ivana or Ivana Onslaught or something like that. She's from New York. She's a a great soul. If y'all hear some squeaking in the back, this is my floor that I just put down two weeks ago. But um, she does a great job, not only with African-Americans, but anybody who wants to listen about healing themselves. Right. And she does this in a format that's so amazing um, within the family dynamic of people. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is about family is because um, and this is a great segue. A man was murdered over a year ago, African-American man by a white woman. She thought that she had went into his house or her house and she seen him in there as a stranger. And she ended up shooting a guy and he. It was a fatal shooting and he died. Everybody was calling her a murderer, which, in my opinion, there's no other way around it because he was in his own apartment. 
but every you know the big discussion was was that this man's brother forgave him there was a bailiff there that was rubbing her hair um the judge came out and hugged her and gave her a bible these things are are very symbolic to me on how we view ourselves a lot of people were saying that there shouldn't be any forgiveness. Forgiveness was too fast. But my thing is, is that are we willing to forgive our own family members of their own transgressions in their own right? And this goes all across the spectrum of black on black crime. Do we show mercy to our own people? Are we forgive? Are we forgiving to ourselves and how we view each other? Just a tidbit of the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. Nick Cannon recently stated in a T.I. interview on his podcast expeditiously <laughs> that he would actually marry, remarry, his former ex-wife, Mariah Carey. I wanted to take a moment to digress about that. I mean, I'm not married, but my parents have been married for over 30 years. And no doubt about it, being completely trans transparent, everything hasn't been peaches and cream in my own family. But um, Mariah Carey came out and instantly said, oh, no, I'm not exactly sure what Nick Cannon said, but he said he would be willing to remarry his wife because they have two kids together, I guess. I'm not exactly sure. But she was like, oh, no, she shut it down. Our view in our own society as far as African-Americans go, I don't understand how the forgiveness option works. And the reason being is because if you cross somebody, a lot of people will tell you that that person was toxic, that person was negative, um, and that we shouldn't forgive them so fast. Or forgive but don't forget. What do you all think? I think I'm torn because I've been in situations in my life where I didn't want to forgive. And I've been betrayed, backstabbed, anything that you want to name. Um, I didn't want to forgive. But from my own personal experience, as far as me and African-Americans specifically, and this is, goes across the whole board and spectrum, not only when it comes down to family, but other people, what, whatever race they are. Holding on to negative energy, in my opinion, is not a good thing. So what I would say is 
I think we need to forgive each other. I think that we need to stop having a, I wouldn't say a cutthroat mentality, but I would say um, a mentality that tells you that if somebody does you wrong, that that person doesn't have any good for you and that you shouldn't, right, move forward with the forgiveness process. Not to say that you have to be their friend. These are just thoughts of mine that I have. about the souls of black folks. (laughs) Shout out to W.A.B. Du Bois. And that if we're really going to get together, if we're really going to be the people who have uplifted a nation, who've always been mistreated in this country, and who have been on the forefront of other people's rights and concerns, I think we need to apply the same judgment and consideration to our fellow woman and fellow man. This is Jerome Thornton signing off, man. It's just a freestyle format of podcasts. I've been working all day, tired, but I just wanted to put that out there and let everybody know that, like, This is just me. This is who I am. And hopefully the things that I'm talking about um, and living that you can apply to your day to day life. And whether you disagree or agree, you know, you could always provide me with feedback. I'm a very down to earth person. You can email me at virtualhustle77 at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Rome Empire 77 If you want to have a conversation or sponsor the show, you know, get at me. I'm on Facebook at Thornton Media or Jerome Thornton. Man, y'all holler one time. Chicken and Kool-Aid Podcast.